Welcome to On Democracy with F.P. Wellman. I am F.P. Wellman, the host of your show. We're glad to have you here. This is our special coming to you from beautiful pre-Thanksgiving suburbs of St. Louis. Uh, our holiday special. Why is that a holiday special? I don't know. It's freaking holiday. But anyway, we're going to eat some turkey tomorrow. But in the meantime, before we get to the turkey, uh, we're going to talk to some of my, another one of my good friends who's a, an advocate and a veteran. I uh, do some cool stuff. As always, you know, the show, we're sponsored by Vi Media, friends of Vi Media. It's an award-winning digital marketing agency based right here in the greater St. Louis area. They are your marketing partner. It generates proven growth in a variety of different industries right in the St. Louis area, and frankly, nationwide now. They can solve all of your digital marketing needs, and I hope you'll give them a call or check out their website. Their website's easy to find. It's vi.media. That's V-I-E dot media on the web. Well, you know, looks like the Republicans will be taking over the House of Representatives. Promises to be a complete shit show. Let's be honest. <laughs> so honestly, you know, you know it. I know it. We all know it. I'm excited to welcome a guest this week who's part of a cool new effort to push back against that freaking lunacy and uh, and also happens to be a good friend as well, as I mentioned. So you know what? Let's not waste any time. Let's get the show going. Oh, man. Welcome, welcome, welcome. As I mentioned at the top of the hour, I am Fred Wellman, the host of On Democracy, F.P. Wellman, the show where we talk to smart people who are fighting for our democracy both here and abroad. Uh, man, the Republicans eked out a marginal minority in the, well, excuse me, majority. There I go. Matt led at that. And the, they got their majority in the House of Representatives and, you know, and, and have been talking about their big plans to address the economy. They're going to fight inflation. They're going to take on crime and those other key issues that they campaign on. I'm kidding. They're not doing any of that shit. All they're going to do is try to impeach Biden. <laughs> you know, come on. They're not going to do anything. They don't give a shit about inflation. They don't give a shit about crime. It's all bullshit, right? Let's let's not mince words about this. They've already announced what they're going to do. Margie freaking Trailer Green is uh, out there running. I said trailer. <laughs> don't edit that. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so Margie Taylor Green's out there at the front doing her speakers uh, speaking. Uh, the joke around here is that she's going to be the the real speaker of the house, and uh, Kevin McCarthy just be doing her bidding. And that's the thing about a slim majority, right? They're going to have to appease the nut jobs. And I don't know if Kevin McCarthy is even going to be the speaker. So with his majority, he's going to have to listen to Boebert and Green and Gosar and just Biggs and just the nutters. So what does that mean? Well, that means, you know, as a political hack, you know, it gives us something to fight. But as an American, it's not great. And so uh, it's going to take a fight for all of us to fight back. So that's what's uh, kind of cool. Almost, almost, you know, amidst all this crazy, uh, there are progressive groups who are reviewing the midterms and making plans to fight back against the chaos and the machinations. Uh, yesterday, a new group was announced called Courage for America. Their senior advisor spoke as none other than my good friend and fellow veteran and progressive advocate, uh, Naveed Shah. So being who I am and waiting to the last minute, I called him yesterday. Uh, <laughs> Also, which gives Matt great joy in the back of the booth there. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, look, man, can you join us today to be a guest and talk about this new mission? And Naveed, being a great American, did that. Now, Naveed Shah is a veteran of the U.S. Army. He's a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom like me. He's from Springfield, Virginia, just north of where I lived in Richmond for many years. You know, after serving on active duty for four years, including a 12-month tour in Iraq, Naveed returned to his hometown for undergraduate studies, began volunteering with veterans groups, uh, some good ones. He, this led to a legislative and advocacy fellowship with uh, the good guys at Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America in 2012. And then he started working on political campaigns, which he'll tell us more about. Interestingly enough, you may know him, you may recognize his face. In 2016, the First Lady invited Naveed to attend uh, Mr. Obama's final State of the Union address recognition of his already years of work on veterans issues. And then he went from there in 2018, he 
worked for the Virginia Democratic Party's mission. First initiative, getting veterans and military families involved in the political process. So he's been doing this longer than I have. For the past 10 years, Navy's been involved with veterans, military families, and across the nation, a movement to build progressive political power. As I mentioned, he holds a Bachelor of Science from the University of Virginia, a fine school, uh, where he studied political science. He's here today to talk about this new initiative, Courage for America, where he serves as a senior advisor. So I, I had the good fortune of connecting with Naveed in the summer of 2019 when we were younger. Uh, actually, he's much younger than I am. <laughs> we're brought together by my friend Naveed Jamali, which we colloquially call the other Naveed, and <laughs> to, write, to write a joint offer about the continued gun violence here at home. We were part of a group called, that still hang out together, Left of Bang, which we could talk about later. But in the, anyways, look, Naveed, welcome to the show, man. I'm glad to have you here. I appreciate you joining me. Hey, Fred, great to see you. You know, I'm not that much younger than you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. My kids, my kids remind me of that all the time. <laughs> uh, I don't know, brother. I'm a freaking grandpa. So, I mean, I just, I just look really good. Let's be honest. <laughs> well, it's so great to have you, brother. I really appreciate it. You know, as always, you know, I think I told you a little bit. I, the one thing about the show I've been really, you know, one of the real pleasures of running the show that since I run it myself is, is getting to connect with folks like you, friends and, and, and advocates and and so many of the folks I talk to have really come to this place where we are in our democracy in some unusual ways. And I talked about it in your bio already. So I just always start off with like, you know, how the hell did you get here? You were a young soldier. You returned home uh, from combat like a lot of us and plunged right into advocacy. You didn't dork around. Uh, tell me how, about the journey from young soldier to advocate. How'd you get here? Yeah, you know, it, it sounds uh, a lot more straightforward than it was. I definitely did dork around a little bit, uh, did working, in, you know, in business and real estate. Um, but as I was going through the motions of going to going to school and working and trying to figure out life after the army and after Iraq, I realized that there was all the things that we were promised. The, the recruiter told us that we were going to get when we signed up were constantly in jeopardy every time <laughs> that right. it came time you know for budget cuts the first thing that the congress would look to was military uh you know personnel budgets yep. uh, you know pay raises for troops or our gi bill or our health care yep. and it was our it was suddenly our responsibility to go back and say no no we need those things um and so that's really where it began is because i want to just to, to just make sure that my brothers and sisters that I served with over there were taken care of when they came home, just like was promised when we signed up. Yeah, it's funny. I, you remember that was one of my big things for a long time when they tried to change the retirement system. I was like, no, no, man, we had a deal, right? When I signed up and I, hell, I'm, I am older than you are. I signed up in 1983. And, <laughs> and when I started in 83, uh, hey, that's a great deal. You do 20 years, you get lifetime retirement money, you get lifetime health care. And then, then somewhere halfway, they start tinkering with all of that. And it's a constant battle to maintain the promise that they made to us for those of us who went downrange and served. And, uh, yeah, I think we, we agree on that. It is a battle for those. And veterans have to fight our battle because there's no big money, right? You, you, you've learned this lesson already. There's, there's no big corporate PACs that are going to support veterans, is there? It just isn't any, are there? No, exactly. All, all the money is on the other side, really. Like they want to dismantle the VA. We know for a fact the veterans love the VA healthcare system. They do. Those, you know, and we want to really for all the advocates want to expand it so that more veterans have access to it. Um, and people don't realize, you know, the average person does, just thinks that, Oh, you're a veteran, you get VA healthcare and you get all these benefits. Actually, no, the majority of veterans don't. Right. right. And so we want to make it easier for folks to, to have access. And we know that all the, the different crises that we're going through, uh, and this is what I learned and, and really brought me to this side of the advocacy that I'm on now is that when it, whether we're talking about suicide or employment or education uh, or, you know, job training uh, and, and other, other opportunities, veterans in the past have done worse on all of these subjects than the general population. Right. And that's why we need more, uh, you know, advocacy and more care for these things. And I also realized as I was doing this, that 
you know, veterans are a subset of the population, but veterans have families. So even if a veteran is covered by the VA healthcare system, their family member isn't. Right. Even if a veteran has their housing allowance or a military member has their housing allowance, their family might still be facing, you know, uh, housing challenges. Right. Uh, and so with, for all those things, I, I started moving a little bit more uh, to where I am now and, and wanting to make sure that not only are veterans taken care of in military families, but also their friends and their families, too. Like we want to make sure that, uh, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats right. and not just, you know, a subset of, of people. Right. And so many of veterans issues, I like to say, are American issues. It's it, We are a subset. We are America. It's the first thing they teach you in military science 101. I was a commissioned officer, as you may know. And, and you know, we had to go through these professionalist course. And, and I did as a young cadet at West Point. And one of the very first things we teach you is that the a volunteer military directly reflects the society it serves. And that's that's the thing. We are we are Americans. We are. Look at you. You're, you're you and I are of different backgrounds, you know, and, and here we are. And we serve that society. But we also bring with those problems. We are also a subset of those problems. Like I like to say a lot. PTSD is not a veteran problem. PTSD is a problem that many face. I most people have PTSD from perhaps crimes, perhaps car accidents. There's a million ways. Survivor's guilt isn't left to us. You know, we everybody loses people in car accidents like I did me. And we, we joke all the time. I'm not I'm not very shy at all about most of my PTSD. Yeah, while well, service, I also lost a wife and child in the car accident. That's the source of it. And so that's an American problem. So the great thing about that is I, I also compare it to like the moon launch, right? Naveed, it's like all that great technology that went with the Apollo mission, you know, also helps Americans. It's the same way. I think when we help veterans, right, the, the problems we solve for veterans also solve problems for Americans, I think. That's yeah, that's where you absolutely. and I fight. We, we fight in that kind of mean, and not to get not to like go too far down, down those rabbit hole, oh, but happy to. we we realized this during the COVID nineteen pandemic that it turns out the the VA healthcare system system is supposed to be the backup plan right. when a pandemic hits. It's supposed to be the place that everyone is able to go to uh, when we have a, a crisis like that. And guess what? The VA was not prepared for that because of so many years of their budget being decreased and their staffing shortages not being addressed. Uh, and so. All of a sudden, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and the VA is down fifty thousand uh, employees, especially in the healthcare, nurses, doctors, and medical technicians uh, sector. So, wow. huge problem that that you know, if we don't address uh, directly, is it's going to be a problem not just for veterans and military, but for everybody. Well, hundred percent. And and so. Um, you know, I, I, let's just, I know it's not dork round. I was just, I'd love to talk. And so that brings you here. And, and of course, uh, yesterday you sent me the note and I, I saw the announcement for Courage for America. And it, it's exciting. I'm here. I'm excited to hear about the launch. Obviously, it's the kind of thing as I do in my, my professional work as well. I mean, let's just flat out tell us about this initiative. I mean, how'd you get involved and, and, and tell us more exactly what is Courage for America and, and what led you to, to launch this thing and be a part of it? Absolutely. You know, so we saw that Kevin McCarthy and other, you know, MAGA extremists were, have been talking about their commitment for America. Uh, and for those listening, I just did that in air quotes, air because, quotes we know, yes. <laughs> yeah, because we know that their commitment for America is not real. Right. Uh, it's, it's in fact the exact opposite, right? Uh, it's so courage for America is, is a council uh, made up of regular folks, teachers, uh, you know, clergy people, veterans uh, who, who want to speak out against, the extremist mega agenda that's going to put money and power over the rights and freedoms that of America, the American people. Um, and so the council is made up of some people that you and I know, some veterans, some, some teachers, some educators, really just regular folks, folks who have 
not been very vocal in the political process in the past. Some some of them might have spoken up a, a bit about certain issues that they care about, uh, but they generally are, are regular people who wanted to come together and speak up about these things. And so we got together, uh, you know, Common Defense, my organization, uh, as well as a few other groups that are partnering with us on this, like Accountable.us and the National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers, uh, and a growing network of groups uh, who are all going to be coalescing around these issues as we start looking at the 118th Congress that's coming up. Right. And, and, and you said in your, your announcement that, that obviously the, the priority is that the MAGA agenda is so extreme. Um, your intent is to highlight that agenda across the country. Uh, so you have a council. How will you execute this mission? Like, how do you take them on? Yeah, so we're planning to do... <laughs> All everything that we can. So actually, let me back up for a second. Sure. The count, the Courage for America for Council is one aspect of this. It's going to be the, those regular folks that we're going to be uplifting their voices and, and having them uh, talk about how these issues affect them and their communities. The other side of this is also the um, the what we're calling the war room, the House Accountability War Room. Okay, uh, where it's going to be that's where the groups are going to be getting together to talk about these issues and, and get together on messaging and strategy for how we can respond to this da- this dangerous agenda. Um, you know, because we already know, you know, from what what um, McCarthy and others have put out that their agenda is going to be really dangerous. It's going right. to be really bad. Um, we expect them to do things like try to pass a national abortion ban. We expect them to, to try to cut Social Security, which 65 million Americans currently benefit from. Yeah. We expect them to try to make cuts to Medicare and Medicaid, which yeah. almost 30% of Americans rely on as their primary, primary health insurance. Right. And of course, we expect them to launch bogus investigations. Uh, we, I, I heard today, I, don't even, I just saw the headline, I don't even know who said it, but they are already planning to try to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, yep. uh, who's the head of, of Homeland Security. Um, and we're all, they're already planning to in, impeach um, Merrick Garland, uh, you know, and, and that's before they get to try to impeach President Biden for right. none, you know, for no good reason for any of them, just because they want to. Right. And they're going to try to do things like keep uh, key House Democrats off of committees. Like like they, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene was stripped of her committees because of the radical things that she said. Uh, instead, and they want to turn around as as a revenge and try to do that to people like Eric Swalwell, not for any good reason, not because he said anything negative, but simply because he, uh, you know, of who he is, uh, and that we can't stand for that. We can't allow those kind of things to go on unchecked. Yeah, yeah, it is an extremist agenda. It has no good for the American people, right? Um, so I think one of our challenge, of course, is the in the noise. Uh, I, I saw a piece yesterday. I think uh, I want to say it was David French, perhaps, who wrote a piece about how how we can push back against this agenda and how how the Democrats can do a better job of fighting it. And one of those key pieces was was, was organizations like yours stepping up and, and highlighting the insanity and making sure average Americans see it. So how do you transmit what they're doing and parsing that out and getting it into the the heads and in front of average Americans? So they understand what insanity is being done in their name. And let's be honest, part of our challenge with our work as political advocates always is, you know, uh, making sure people know. So I know that's part of your plan is to, I saw something about being in communities. How's that going to work? Yeah. So well, really the main thing here for the council is going to be to e- elevating the voices of everyday Americans, right? Uh, I'm kind of steeped in this all the time. And, and I'm really hoping that as we get further into this campaign, more of our spokespeople will be stepping up so I, I can do this less and less. Right. Um, our council is going to be made up of everyday Americans who, who will be sharing their stories, talking about what happens when an extremist agenda takes over and how it affects their communities. Um, 
this will include, you know, we'll do ads, we'll do uh, in-district work. We're going to be going to town halls. We're going to be going to, um, you know, events all over the country and and demanding answers from our elected leaders. Because I think that's first and foremost what needs to happen is our elected officials need to be held accountable. They need to know that they, their constituents that voted them into office and those who didn't vote for them, the ones who voted against them, are still going to be able to hold them accountable. Because at the end of the day, if you rep- whether you represent the country, your state, or your district, you represent everybody in it, not just the people who voted for you. Right. And so you have to make sure that you are, you know, that they are able to answer uh, what they're trying to do and why. Uh, and, and if it doesn't make sense, then, you know, we'll have some more questions for them from there. Right. And accountability is everything. Um, you know, I, I think that's absolutely great. I, I love it. I love the idea of being in their districts and, and, and getting volunteers to come out and ha- ask them the hard questions and ensure they're accountable to the people they're supposed to represent. Uh, and it's not easy. I mean, how, um, how are you guys going to do this? I mean, the unfortunate, the unfortunate truth of our, our politics is it takes money, right? <laughs> uh, you know, are you guys, how, where do you see um, the backing you'll get? And, and do you have a plan or do you already have backers that are, have stepped up as patriots to help out or uh, where, where do you go from there to fund this, this great operation? Yeah, right now we're we're pulling resources from all the different groups that are going to be involved, and yeah. we're trying to get more commitments for, from folks to join us in this fight. Uh, we know it's going to be tough. We know right. it's it's going to be an uphill battle, especially right after we get done with an election and people are tired of donating. Right, they're right. tired of getting those uh, donate yeah. donation alerts and those action emails. Yeah. Um, and so we're we're hoping to be able to bring more groups, and and that's the biggest thing too is like this. Courage for America Council and the House Accountability War Room are projects of the people by the people, right? These are not just things that we're doing by ourselves. These are bigger. This is part of a bigger movement. And we want to bring as many people into this big tent as we can, uh, as many organizations that want to help, you know, where our doors and ears are open. Great. And so what I hear, so what are the key organizations right now that are involved in this? I, I obviously common defense your organization, uh, and you did mention a few other groups offhand. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I, if I apologize, if I missed all that, but who are the key groups you've got now and, and, and who are you looking for? Yeah. I mean, the big three right now are common defense, right. um, accountable.us is another okay. partner of ours that's going to be working with us and the, uh, national association of, uh, let me pull it up again and get the right national yeah. association of nonpartisan reformers Great. uh, is, is another big one. Yeah. Great. So again, we, we're looking for folks from both sides of the aisle because okay. this is a, a, a truly a American issue and it's not a left versus right thing. This is, you know, we want to make sure that, our elected officials are held accountable that they know that whether you're, it's a Republican or a Democrat or an independent knocking your, on your door, it doesn't matter. You know, you have to answer to your constituents. Right. Yeah. I've I heard a lot of groups would be interested in, in, in finding coalitions and, and partnerships and uh, a lot with a lot of followings. And, and that's, I think that's what you're going to need a lot of, right? You're going to need people who have a voice and can reach folks and, and get, get these get these truths out there on the, on the, on the house economy war room. It's a really interesting idea. Um, can you unpack that a little bit more for me? I mean, what, what is the house economy war room going to be run? I understand it's run by a, a gentleman named Zach. Um, tell me more about that. I'd like to unpack that a bit and understand uh, what the plans are for that. Yeah, absolutely. So Zach, Patankas, I'm sorry, is, is, is running the house accountability war room. He's a fantastic political operative. He used to work for Harry Reid. He's great. I like working with him a lot. He's very strategic uh, in his mindset and the end has great, um, you know, natural like instincts on, on these political things. And so we're, that's also a work in progress, but essentially what the plan here is 
to bring all of these different organizations in to the fold so that we can all speak with one voice in response to these things. And we're already starting to see it. You know, we, the old saying is Dems in disarray, right? We always hear about <laughs> right. that. We, we heard about that at the beginning of the previous Congress of this Congress that's currently in session when several uh, people ran against Nancy Pelosi for Speaker of the House. Right. None of them, you know, really had a shot, but they, the fact that they did it was just, you know, uh, uh, not a good way to start off the session. Right. Uh, of course, everyone coalesced around her and her leadership, which was great. But now the tables have turned. Now the Dems have coalesced around Hakeem Jeffries as the next minority leader of the House. Yep. And meanwhile, Kevin McCarthy is facing challenges from within his own caucus for speakership. And Mitch McConnell is facing challenges from within his, his own caucus for you know minority leader of the Senate. Uh, and so now for once, it's not Dems in disarray. It's the Republicans who are in disarray. Yep. The Dems are coming together. That's what the House Accountability War Room is going to do is bring all of us on, the, on this side together. And we're more than open and welcoming to any you know anti-maga extremist groups whether they're you know left right or center to join us in this fight so that we can make sure we're speaking with one voice against this dangerous agenda and that's one of the things we see a lot on the republican side right so the republicans have gotten very good at um it's war room it is a war room that's what they use on their side is is to quickly address uh current messaging and current threats. I, I use an example a lot of people have watched the show before or heard me um speak or tweet wherever you hear me i'm i'm loud as hell um but one of the examples i use a lot of is when the supreme court uh ruling on dobbs leaked which we know was alito just saying that now <laughs> but when it leaked uh and uh what you saw in the morning was the leak but by about two o'clock that afternoon, they were clearly all on message. Their war room had come together, issued a, a talking points. I think by two o'clock, uh, Huckabee himself, you know, was on TV saying, well, it's not so much the content. What's outrageous is this leak. And within hours, all the MAGA, um, you know, talking heads, Fox News, political, all were issuing statements or saying at the microphones the same thing. It's not the leak. It's not the content. It's the leak. It's not what's in it. It's the leak. And they managed to defer the conversation again so effectively. We, we have failed on our side to do that in the Democratic side. We, we were very, very, very bad at that. <laughs> I'm just I'm being very direct. So when, when I saw a war room uh in the story yesterday, I was like, oh, shit, yes. I mean, I, I, it would be wonderful to see uh, a team able to quickly exercise that, like come up with a key message, like this is the message here, get that out to the people who are going to be on TV, get it out to our, um, not necessarily our friends in the media, but at least to our our, 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 our media, our journalist colleagues, we'll say, well, you know, the Dems just put out this. Um, I think that's going to be key as we fight this battle. It's, it's good to see someone taking that initiative. I hope you guys can coordinate with others and, and, uh, and push that. Is that, you know, one of the big plans, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the 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 key really in, in responding to all this is for us to stay on message because right. it has been a challenge in the past. And we know that, um, you know, things come up and certain people feel more strongly about something one way than uh, than another, um, you know, like. What I don't want to see happen is what happened with the George Floyd protests uh, in 2020 right. and the defund the police narrative that took over. Right? right. And that hurt us deeply because even though no prominent Democrats said that at the time, it took over as a narrative. And now it, that's just what we, it, what it's been tagged with. And because of that completely wrong and really, you know, debunked myth, yeah. no progress was made really on, you know, police reform or accountability. Right. So 
that's the importance of staying on message is making sure that we're able to not only respond to the moment and respond to the issue in the moment, but also plan for how we're going to make positive change in the future when we're right. able to. Yeah. And I think it nails it. And it is, it is about being us, getting us on message, understanding what we're up against. Um, it, too often the disinformation, and this goes back to disinformation too, right? I think what I'm hearing too is, you know, you guys are going to have to face the disinformation, misinformation networks we're failing, uh, we're facing. The, the 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 House caucus, the Republican House caucus is going to be very, very toxic in producing some very toxic talking points. We know that Hunter Biden's laptop is already their number one priority. They don't give a damn about the economy. We're going to have to be moving very fast. I hope I hope Zach's capable of, of, of has a team and then a network to push things out to to, to react in real time that the lies are going to come out and the smears against President Biden uh, through his son, who has many of his own problems that are, are from a lifetime of trauma. Um, so I, I, I'm eager to see um, your partners and, and grow your partners. If we get anything out of this conversation, I hope people who watch us go. Yeah, I, I need to be on their mailing list, you know, and so on that note. Um, how does an average American get involved in this? How does, how does someone want, let's, let's talk, we'll talk first. We'll close the war room loop first. Um, let's say I'm a person who happens to have a podcast or a ridiculously large Twitter fire for reasons I can't explain. (laughs) Just someone average (laughs) that nobody we know, (laughs) um, who might, how might they might, uh, ensure that they're on your list that they can one, get information from you or send you information. Yeah, absolutely. Right now, if you go to courageforamerica.org, uh, you can see who else is on the council. You can learn more about the you know, the Courage for America Council. And there's also a link from there to go to the House Accountability War Room yep. website, which is a little bit more uh, info. And then you can contact us directly from the website and get in touch with us. So, you know, it, this is, again, really a huge opportunity for regular folks to get involved and get on the mailing list and get info. Um, and, and you can see some of the other folks who are on the council, you know, who I think are awesome. Just really fantastic. Like, um, you know, vice mayor Peggy Bilston, she spent her life advocating on behalf of human rights issues, uh, both locally and internationally. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we have, uh, Randy Brockaway who lives in Tennessee, uh, and, and is just a great guy all around. Um, you know, we have Reverend Dr. Kathy, uh, Clardy Patterson uh, has an ex- extensive career from law and finance. And now, you know, she's a minister and she's uh, wonderful as well. So we have a, a wide range of folks on this council. Uh, and Peter I think Lucier, that, our friend, Peter, yeah, <laughs> a, yeah. St. Louis say, native, Peter. my friend, Peter Lucier, right here in St. Louis. Yeah. So we're representing Marine Peter Corps, Lucier. Marine Corps veteran, uh, recent law school grad. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, he's, he's awesome too. I think the, the folks in the council you'll see are, just like you, you know, just like regular people. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. hundred percent. Well, that's going to be key. I think is getting average Americans a chance and, and give them an opportunity to get the messaging, right. Understand how they get, because again, that's going to be the key, right. We're going to be sitting around the Thanksgiving table this week and we're going to hear it. I, I, I had a good friend who is, um, I won't, I won't give away their secret, but so they're, they're visiting their family in their home state and, and their grandmother who is a Democrat, um, turned to her husband and said, you know, uh, this Hunter Biden person sounds like a bad man, <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, oh, shit, you know, it's like we the the, the messaging is so insidious um, the way our mainstream media, which has been obviously if, if you watch the show recently, my complaint has been about our friends in the media taking the right wing messaging and, 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 and really centering it. Uh, it, it, we had to fight back. So I think there's an eagerness. I think if, if, if the average Americans can get the things they need, the knowledge they need to help fight that at the ground level in a, a calm and, and fashion way. We talk about this a lot in the show, by the way, is um, without community, without us finding our center, without our finding our communities, we're not going to, we're never going to get this back. So, uh, 
So I really appreciate yeah. that. Now, and, and then I'm going to circle back because I always want to make sure when I talk about that, it's like it takes money, right? So uh, is there an opportunity for small donors or folks to just give a chip in 25, 30 bucks here and there? Or would you rather find a millionaire, someone who not, I, I'm sure there's yeah. one to watch. So there's not actually to watch the show, I'm sure. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, where uh, who, who can help fund you? What kind of person is what's your buy your your your, your donor you know, persona you're looking for? Re- we would love for regular folks to help us out with, with the Courage for America Council. I don't know for sure if we've actually set up a fundraising what? platform yet. I'm outraged. You can also, Come on. You, can also don- you guys are donate to, You can also donate to Common Defense yes. in the U.S. There you we go. will really appreciate that, our vet- progressive veterans group that I'm a part of. I love it. Uh, which, you know, is going to be working hand-in-hand with the council. That's a great way to do it. That's, that's, leading, that's a leading question. I do that yeah, now. I'm getting really it. good at this. I, my producer back there is coaching me. <laughs> I'm asking some leading questions. No, that's terrific. Yeah, I think I think every way, the organizations are supporting it. Common Defense is a great organization. I've been a fan for a while. Um, if you can get a chance. But I do think what we really do need is a chance to have post sign up, build your mailing list so people know um, what they're up against. Well, that's really good. I really appreciate it. It's thrilling to hear that. Now, uh, on our topic, um, last night we had yet another shooting, right? So you and I came together in August 2019, um, formed the group Left of Bang with Travis Akers and 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 and, and, and Kristen Beck and, and, of course, Navi Jamali. Um, and so, you know, we wrote in our op-ed that as combat veterans and gun owners that in August 2019 that we were urging common sense gun reforms and what we were talking to in our op if you recall, was for the gun owning and retailing community to step up and do their part because our point was that these these shootings are 90% of the time have been law-abiding gun owners that had a gun. I think last night's shooting in Chesapeake, uh, it was an employee of the Walmart. It was a manager at the Walmart who apparently, quote, snapped, whatever that means, uh, and took out his weapon and shot people. I, I bet we're going to find out it was a legally owned weapon. I wouldn't be at all surprised. Um so here we are at the Nariette mass shooting. Of course, the horrific killing uh, at the Q Club in Colorado Springs. That's just awful. Um, do you think there's been any progress at all since we wrote our piece? <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, let's. Yeah, I didn't think. Yeah, so. I mean, honestly, it doesn't feel like it, right, no. Fred? I mean, it, it feels like we're in the same place, and, and it feels like in some ways it's gotten worse. That's what because I was we had an, another horrific school shooting in Uvalde. Um, you know, and I thought. Again, it's like after Sandy Hook, how could we not do anything about it? Right. Um, as a gun owner myself, as a as a veteran who you know, you know carried a weapon every day yep. uh, for a long time, it, I know and I I feel and understand where people are coming from that they want and 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 you know they people like their guns. I like taking my son who's who's fourteen, about to be fifteen, you know, shooting every now and then. Yep. Um, but I think that we need to have a. a need to be able to have a, a real conversation with the people who are very pro second amendment um, and the people who are very anti second amendment and be able to come to terms with what's going on in our country. No other developed country in the world has to deal with these kind of things. Seven mass shootings in the past seven days. Right. Uh, I'm afraid, like I, I'm sure many people are of taking your kids out Christmas shopping. Like right. what could happen if you're at, if you were at that Walmart. Right. And it, it's scary. It's scary yeah. to think about. And I think also it, it it goes to that the hate that goes behind this, right? I think in many ways we are in back. I think we all came out of twenty twenty hoping there would be a change in the, the national rhetoric, but instead it's substantially worse. I mean, the Q Club is an. I think the Q Club shooting is a direct result of the the othering, the disgusting accusations. Tim Pool was on his you know Twitter feed yesterday just saying how well you know with uh, with all this grooming, this is what they get. It, it is calling anyone who is, who is gay or transgender a groomer or a, a, a pedophile. It's disgusting rhetoric, and that's what's driving. There's no question. You and I all understand that it's gaslighting. This otherwise, the rhetoric we're yeah. facing, the MAGA rhetoric we're facing, is part of this violence, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the, the gun control aspect of it is one side. The other side is like the shooting at the Q Club, the shooting in in Buffalo, right. uh, the shooting in El Paso. We're yeah. all driven by this kind of right wing extremist rhetoric that we were talking about. Uh, and part of the reason why we formed this council is because of how dangerous this rhetoric is. Right. Uh, we know how people uh, are get radicalized on the internet, and and you know even if it's a you know quote unquote lone wolf attack. Uh, they didn't do it alone. They didn't get to that point by themselves. They got there because they heard and read this type of radical extremism that's calling for the death of people who are different than, you know, than what they believe their in-group is. is. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's really terrifying for, for regular folks because, you know, they're at the grocery store, they're, um, at, at the Walmart and all they're trying to do is live their lives. And, and they have this, you know, tragic tragedy happened right before Thanksgiving. I mean, there's going to be a lot of empty chairs around the Thanksgiving table and, and uh, you, know, you know, my thoughts and, and unfortunately all I can say is my thoughts and prayers are, are with those families today. Hard to say, you know, and of course, you know, my other, some of the work I do is with an organization called the Beer Hall Project and the Beer Hall Project centers on the, uh, the Beer Hall push of 1923 when Hitler tried to seize power. But the, 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 the long story of that pooch is that it wasn't the end. It was the beginning of Hitler's move to power. He went briefly to jail. But one of the key components of the next 10 years prior to him becoming chancellor and then dictator uh, was the othering of others, the the, the Jewish you know, the extremism, the encouraging of violence in the streets. Part of the reason they ended up getting into power was they encouraged violence. They wanted their followers in the streets fighting the Bolsheviks or the gays or the Jews and and by then they were saying, well, look at this violence. You need us to take control. When they they created that violence, and I, I have great fear on a regular basis here in our country that we're seeing is that when you see um, Tucker Carlson uh, uh, centering a guest last night talking about, well, you know, as long as they keep doing this gender affirming care, we should expect more shootings. It's it's literally green lighting it. It's saying. That until they change, until we can, and you and I both know, just like with the abortion battle, where now they're going after Plan B, and now they're going after contraceptives, it's never enough. The, the, the attacks on what now is drag shows or transgender you know, bathrooms or transgender sports, that's just a, that's the first chip in the, that's, they get regular people, and I have had regular people on my Twitter feed saying, Fred, so you're four kids going to drag shows? What kind of a pervert are you? It's like, they, they know, they give you this, this logic that the logic battles is unbelievable. Like, oh, well, of course I'm yeah. going to that. Oh, so then what? And then once they win that, then it's the next one. Well, you must not want a gay person teaching your kids. He's going to groom him to be gay. And it just goes, it never ends until people die. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, and, and that's exactly what we've seen. And, and it's, you know, the gay and transgender community is the target now. Right. And, but the, the parallels that we saw during the civil rights movement, right. You know, for black Americans, you know, in the fifties and sixties, it's, 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 I can't even fathom how, you know, similar those, the same kind of rhetoric is. And actually it was, and even for us in the military, it was very similar back then. They said that if black soldiers were integrated into the regular army, it would disrupt everything and the army wouldn't be able to function. Right. Then now they're trying to go back and say the same thing about transgender folks or or gay gay people serving in the military. It's like, at the end of the day, we are all one family really one 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 nation right and we should be able to function and it's not this divisive rhetoric is they're they're doing it in order to grab power Mm -hmm. and they don't care how it affects you and me and our families back at home 
they don't care about that. You know, if it works to help them win an election, they'll do it. 70% of the Republicans who were elected to this Congress were, you know, election deniers. Right. Until they won their election. Now they're not denying any elections yeah, that they won. One, right? but, the one I won, right? <laughs> yeah, the entire exactly. ballot is trued up, except the one that I was on. That one, apparently nobody was able to, you know, it's just same bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think we, and I think it it is it is, and then of course when you mix that that toxic rhetoric, you mix that toxic politics in with lots and lots of fucking guns. Um, yeah. You know, we are we are in a very dangerous period. It, you know, it's sad. I do look back at twenty twenty and I at the optimism we all faced as we came out of that election cycle, and and here we are, um, uh, morning morning Americans. And uh, I take great pleasure in the fact there was a fellow veteran that took that asshole down. Um, yeah. I bought two of his t-shirts from his brewery, nice. <laughs> you know, a, a Latino owned brewery and, and, um, their, their, their tagline is diversity is on tap. I was like, oh, I'm buying that t-shirt. So, yeah. you know, it just, it was a pleasure to see a fellow, but you know, you look at my, our, our fellow veteran going back to what you and I talked about, you know, throwback to what we talked about at the beginning about the veterans healthcare system and the challenges. It's clear that, 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 that major Fierro, um, you know, has great, is dealing with PTSD. He's doing, he's, he's three combat yeah. tours, four combat, three, and I think three in Iraq, one in Afghanistan. He literally said in an interview, I saw them, that he left the service before retiring at 15 years. He did not retire. Yep. People say he's a retired major. He's not. He actually just quit like I did the first time at 13 for similar reasons, by the way, um, that he just couldn't fucking do it anymore. He was just, yep. you know, and here he is at home um, celebrating his, uh, a friend's his daughter's boyfriend was there. Their, her friend was one of the uh, dancers, the drag show, and and he has to deal with it there. And the, and the young man gets killed he's with. It's just a. Uh, we, we face a very dangerous time in our country. And that, and that is the, the MAGA agenda. It's increasingly toxic. Um, they've made that clear. Another thing they're going to target, we talked about earlier, is, uh, is probably Ukraine funding. Uh, yeah. That's going to be a key pillar. They've already said that very clear. Marja Taylor Green wants an audit of all the funds that are going to Ukraine. They, they've made very clear they intend to stop in any way they can our support for Ukraine, which is terrifying. Is, you know, how do you see the fight for Ukraine and what can be done to prevent this push by the Republicans? And, and, and what does the Ukraine fight mean to our larger Democratic fight, in your, in your opinion? Yeah, and before I get talk about Ukraine, I just want to say that Marjorie Taylor Greene had, I forgot, uh, a couple, maybe a couple thousand or a couple million dollars worth of PPP loans forgiven. So I'd like someone to do an audit on that. Where, where did she spend well, I've that money? i said that a couple times, right? Where's the money? The, right. the audit on her campaign account. Uh, as you know, I'm involved in that race. Um, yeah. Very quietly back last July, she updated every single FEC report she filed since the first day she became a politician. If you look very carefully at those FEC reports, what she did is she's trying to carry forward her loans that she gave her campaign so that you'll see in the next two months, just watch, she's going to pay herself back millions of dollars from her campaign as loans. It's not legal. Which if she, if she does make that move, what she's trying to do is actually illegal, but we'll see. Uh, but you're right. I'd like to see an audit of her bank. I'd like to see an audit of the $92,000 campaign vehicle. She uses to pick up her boyfriend at the airport, <laughs> you know, yeah. but Hey, that's another thing. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. So, it, it, so here we go to Ukraine now where she wants an audit of the Ukraine funding and, 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 and why Ukraine is such a, I don't know, what do you think is the reason Ukraine is such a hard target for them to go after? I mean, obviously they're fucking Russians, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was that. Say, it, it might have something to do with yeah. their love for authoritarian dictators. Yeah, damn, they do um, and I think it's, I said, you know, it's a little bit of two things. It's, it's there, it is honestly their love for authoritarian dictators yep. uh, and their willingness to believe anything that is, is somehow in favor of Russia and against, um, you know, the Ukrainian uh, democracy for right. some reason. Uh, there they are claims that 
you know, I'm not going to repeat all of them actually, but there are different claims. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that that, Russia, that Ukraine is run by Nazis, and that's right. not the case right. uh, at all. Um, and so that's part of it. The other part of it is just to be anti-Biden because right. President Biden and and the administration is doing the right thing and supporting Ukraine. Um, you know, they they take this opportunity to attack his administration. Right. Um, it's unfortunate because even for folks like on the left who are anti-war, uh, that doesn't mean that we don't support, uh, you know, Ukraine ha- defending itself. Ukraine right. has the right to defend itself. Right. I'm anti-war. I'm also anti-invasion, right? So, you know. Anti-slaughter. Um, I'm anti-massacre. Right. I'm, anti, exactly. I'm anti-rape of children. Uh, I'm, right. I'm anti-looting. Yeah. Yeah. And the things that, that the Russian soldiers are doing there is are, are horrific. Yep. And Ukraine does have the right to defend itself. And most more importantly, if Russia is able to, you know, we saw we've seen what happens if a, if a powerful nation thinks it's able to get away with invading a country and, and, right. and especially in Europe, which is a powder keg in and of itself. We saw with this Russian missile strike a couple of weeks ago, yep. or oh, sorry, the missiles that landed the missile in Poland, that landed in Poland are, right? unsure about unclear about where they came from. Right. Um, you know, that, that was a, a real dangerous situation that though we could have, could have dragged us into world war three. Um, so I think the funding for Ukraine is going to be on the chopping block as soon as the uh, Republicans take power in January, um, mostly because they want to own the libs. Like right. that's going to be their, their, their thing uh, that we don't need to be funding. We, we need to, they're going to say it. We need to take care of our people at home. Meanwhile, their entire plan is to cut all of these things for that are supposed to be taking care of our people here at home, like yeah. Medicare and social security that we talked about. Yeah. Um, so it's really going to be just an uphill battle every step of the way. And I think the challenge for courage for America on that topic and going back to why uh, the petros for us getting together today is, is the Bannon mission, the Bannon, the Bannon technique, which they've all embraced, which is flood the zone with shit, right? We, I can't emphasize enough how much they do. They're so effective at flooding the zone with shit. Uh, I don't envy anyone who's stepping into, like yourself, Courage for America, stepping into the flood of shit, right? I mean, that's what we have to do is, is we're going to have to. And I think that's been part of the challenge how we got here. So many, so few of our peers are, and our, I talk about this a lot, our institutions are unprepared to um step into the flow, right? And and do their best to stop it and fight it back. It's just overwhelming them and our institutions, be it our legacy media, be it our legacy political parties, our legacy organizations are just completely incapable of understanding the whole concept of flooding the zone with shit. So I hope, I, I, I that's why I, I took hope when I, uh, I jumped on it, when I saw your war room plans and, and the Courage for America plans to jump on that and, and get into that flood of shit because yeah. we'll fight it. And, and honestly, fight it, the, the, the legacy media organizations are, have been a problem. I remember in 2015, I was working a regular job in an office, um, you know, not trying to, trying to get out of the politics. Halcyon days, right? I had a PR firm, remember? (laughs) You know, they keep pulling me back in every time I try to get out, but I would come in the office in the lobby that had a TV and every single day, the TV would be on CNN and it would have some sort of Trump headline or it would just, the the camera would be pointed at an empty podium waiting for Trump to come speak. And so of course, if you have him on 24 seven on every channel, it was easy for him to to take power. And I hope they learn uh, their lesson and don't do that kind of stuff again. But I will say that this, the, the new digital era that we're in makes 
podcasts like this one a lot more powerful because less and less people are really tuning in right. to the legacy media because of how disappointed we've, we've been in the past. And I hope that it's kind of a wake up call for them. Um, but at the same time, I'm also glad that we have opportunities to have conversations like this with, with friends and, you know, real, be real frank and honest with each other. That I appreciate. I appreciate being here because it is Thanksgiving weekend with that. So I don't want to drag it out because you got to go like probably prep a brine of turkey or something like that. I, yep. <laughs> uh, and, and my, my, uh, my, my dear, uh, I guess, brother-in-law, I'd say, is in town, so we're going to share beers. Um, so with that, uh, I always like to ask, where, I, I'd love for you to be able to tell everybody where we can find more. So this has been hugely informative. Tell us where, where can we find the mission online? How can we help people? How can people help through efforts? Absolutely. So, you know, you can definitely go to courageforamerica.org and check out the website, learn more about, about the campaign there and how you can get involved. Uh, and you can also visit commondefense.us to learn more about our progressive veterans group. And, and if you're a veteran, please sign up, join us. Uh, we would love to have you on the team. Great. And where we find you, Naveed. Oh, I'm on Army of Naveed uh, Army on of Twitter. Naveed. Yep. <laughs> Well, we're all still on Twitter, by God. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, so he's got a great picture of himself in uniform still. I love seeing that. Uh, as always, so I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, you can find me uh, at FP Wellman for now on Twitter. I'm still there. I've been pumping my Instagram, FP Wellman official, not the personal one. I know people keep following me on my personal one, but that's just for the kids. <laughs> you can show, you, actually, you can find all of our show feeds at On Democracy Pod on Twitter. Uh, I really, all your sources for your podcast. Tell your friends if you like the show. I hope you'll give us a great review, comment, like, share, and of course, subscribe we need you to subscribe uh thank you much for joining us on this episode naveed thank you listeners for joining us on democracy we'll return again next week we got another episode next week i'm sure it's gonna be something cool we always have cool people i'm sure i'll know who the guest is before we get off <laughs> matt's back there shaking his head because <laughs> i probably won't uh, but please tell your friends about the show with that i really hope everybody you especially naveed and everyone watching has a wonderful thanksgiving uh take time to you know, to hopefully we can turn some politics off for a minute and just enjoy your family and, 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 and take a moment to appreciate where we are. Fact is, we did just sort of kind of win an election that we, we didn't lose at all when, when there was great predictions by those who know things that this was going to be a debacle. And as you and I both know, Navid, it ended up not being the debacle we thought it would. So we have some challenges ahead of us. It's going to be hard work for people like us who care about our democracy. But I think there's a great moment here uh, on Thanksgiving 2022 to take a moment to have, give thanks for preserving this great country and our democracy and keeping up the fight. So with that... Don't talk politics. Have a great week. We'll see you next week on On Democracy with FP Wellman.